All right, we'll go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5 tonight, and we are going to continue our series on biblical priorities for young families. We have uh, been working our way through the study together this school year, and uh, looked first at the direction of our life, big picture, we're to be characterized by loving God chiefly and foremost, and, and loving others, and then have been thinking about the details of our life, how we spend our time, and we've seen priorities like personal godliness, our own growth in Christ-likeness, our commitment to, to the means of grace to help us grow, the word of God and prayer, and, and our commitment to the church, the priority of corporate worship and relationships with others, using our gifts to minister to one another, and, uh, and then we shifted last time to the priority of the family, and we talked about how, how God builds families on the foundation of marriage and how there's an important interaction between generations, us as parents to our kids, us to our parents, and appreciating the role of grandparents in, in the family's life. And um, we're going to build on that this week and next time as we focus on the specific priorities that God's given to men, particularly husbands, and to women as wives and uh, tonight we're going to focus on men, and so the ladies, you can just check out, and uh, not really. Uh, it's good that you are here as well, not so that you can evaluate and grade your husband, although I, I did have some discussion questions I thought could be fun uh, to that end, but I didn't put those. Um, but it is good that you are here, not again so that you can be constantly evaluating, but so that you can pray for your husband, so that you can encourage him as you see him striving to do the things that God calls him to do. And so you can respond to him so that you can do what you can to make it as easy for him to do what God's called him to. And so you can bring your husbands back next week and, uh, and they can do the same for you and encouraging you in those ways. And you know, this is a, a dangerous lesson for me to teach because, as all of them are, because I don't always live out all the things that we're talking about, um, but it, it is probably not as dangerous as next week when we focus on, on godly women, so um, we're going we're gonna to get through both of those in, uh, with God's grace. And so, want to think about the priorities of a godly husband. You know, obviously there are more biblical priorities than we can cover in a study like this over the course of a year. And we are focusing primarily on those things which are foundational for us. We've talked about a lot of those things that are non-negotiables for us to grow. And if we get those right, all the other things in our life will ultimately fall into place. If we get the personal pursuit of godliness right and the integration into the church right, over time we will grow and our lives will increasingly reflect God's priorities. But we also want to focus on things that are kind of key foundational elements for this stage and season of life. And that's why it's appropriate for us to think about issues like marriage and, and our family. It's not that, again, there aren't other good things we could talk about, and we will talk about some of those, but these are so critical for us at this stage of life to be establishing the patterns of life and priorities that God intends. And so we want to think tonight about what are those things that God calls a godly husband to. And we're primarily going to look at, uh, at two or three different passages and, and think through some categories and hopefully some specifics that will be fruitful. Look at Ephesians 5, which 
gives instruction to the family. Uh, As you know, Ephesians flows from what God has done for us, transitioning in chapter 4 to our response to him. And he gets to family relationships in chapter 5, flowing out of our relationship with him. And picking up in verse 25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. First priority, men, that we need to be committed to is loving your wife. You know, it's... it's interesting that many in our world would say, well, that's not really a priority that affects my time so much because they define love more as it relates to a feeling or an affection in their, in their heart, an emotion or a, a physical attraction. It's like, I can't really control that. Either I feel that for my wife or not. That's not biblical love. Biblical love, while not devoid of emotion, is not primarily an emotion. It's a commitment of the will to value another and to act on their behalf for their good. Stuart Scott defines it this way. He says, love is a selfless and enduring commitment of the will to care about and benefit the other person by righteous, truthful, and compassionate thoughts, words, and actions. This is an Uh, absolutely a priority, men, that affects our time, how we structure our life, what we are committed to do. We are to prioritize loving our wives. And here Paul gives two examples of our love in this text. The first example for our love that he gives in verse 25, you'll notice, is that we are to love in a way that mirrors Christ's love for the church. He says the first picture of love that we should have for our wives is Christ's love for the church. He says, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And when we think of loving our wives, the first thing that should come into our mind is how Christ has loved the church. The model and example for his love for us. In fact, God, when he designed marriage, we've talked about this before, he had Christ's love and the gospel in mind, and marriage is a picture that points to that reality, that models that reality. We need to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We'll talk about what that looks like more in a moment. But a second analogy that he gives, or an example to flesh this out, if you look down at verse 28, it says, husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. A second example is our love for ourselves, for our own bodies. You know, if you think of how Christ loved the church, giving himself sacrificially uh, for her when, when she was utterly undeserving, when each of us individually were utterly undeserving. And then you think of how you care for yourself. You know, how you treat your own body. Caring for it, doing the things that you, that you need. You know, when you get hungry, what do you do? 
You go eat. When you get thirsty, what do you do? You go drink. You, you inherently do the things that are beneficial to yourself. And Paul says those two things, Christ's love for the church and our love for our own bodies, are the example that should drive us and should, should motivate us in terms of our love for our spouse. So what does that look like? If we follow those examples, he gives a number of expressions of our love. What that looks like. That we are to be committed to doing. Notice back in verse 25. He says, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gives the, the primary expression of that from Christ. That he gave himself up for her. The first expression of our love is that of, of sacrificially serving. When Christ speaks of of what he came for. He says the, in, in Mark, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give himself a ransom for many. Paul says we are to love our wives like Christ did, giving ourselves. And this is in, in very real, practical, tangible ways. I mean, if I ask you men, how many of you would take a bullet for your wife? You would sacrifice yourself. You would dive in front if somebody was about to shoot your wife. You know, we'd all be like, yeah, we'd sacrifice for our wife in that way. But then you come down to like the basic mundane details of life. It's like how many of you would just do the basic things around the house that could benefit and help your wife? And it's like, Ooh, we maybe aren't quite as eager to do those sacrificial things that aren't as glamorous and glorious, but that are moment by moment living to serve our spouse. You know, this has significant implications for how we use our time. You know, it, it means at the stage of life that we're in with young kids, do you have lots of free time? Well, if you're caring for your kids, if you're working hard, if you're prioritizing your wife, it means you're going to give up things. And I'm going to give up things that we want to do or would enjoy doing because we don't legitimately have the time to do that while also caring for our wife doesn't mean that we can never do anything for, uh, that we personally would enjoy, but it means we make decisions giving ourselves up for her. You know, particularly at the stage of young children, it's a difficult stage to care for kids that are young and that are destroying all that is around them. And husbands can come home having worked all day with the mindset that I'm done working instead of saying I get to work differently now that I'm at home and I get to serve my family and to help practically in those ways. As we're to be sacrificially serving like Christ did for us, giving of himself. You think of Christ leaving the glories of heaven and becoming a man and the sacrifice every moment of every day that he went through for us were to model that, follow that example with our wives. Sacrificially serving. Secondly, we see the expression of in, intentionally sanctifying our wives. What does it look like to love? He says, he gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle, but that she would be holy and blameless. How does Christ love the church? He, he gave himself for her and he is making us holy. He is sanctifying us. 
That's to be an expression of our love for our wives is intentionally seeking to sanctify her. Now, can you do that on your own? No, you can't. You, you, that's a work that God does in your wife. She can be uh, unresponsive to your efforts, but your priority is to see her grow in holiness. You see, sometimes we think that giving ourselves for our wives means they always win or they always get what they want. That's not what, what Paul is saying here. He's saying we do sacrifice our desires, but we do so for their good, which sometimes they agree with God about what is good, and sometimes they may not. And we get to graciously and tenderly lead our wives to the goal of holiness and maturity in Christ. We need to think about preparing her for her next marriage to Jesus when he returns. Intentionally sanctifying her. That means prioritizing the things that we have already talked about that cause us to grow. Church involvement, personal time with the Lord, encouraging those things and and sharing in those things together. Love our wives, sacrificially serving and intentionally sanctifying. A a third way, faithfully providing. He goes on and says we're to love as we love our own bodies. And verse 29, he says, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes. When we nourish, the, the picture there is to to feed or to provide for. You think of your own body. That's what we do for ourselves. We give ourselves the things that we need. And so it is to be us as husbands, providing the things that our wives need, caring for their physical needs. We'll talk more about that in a bit. A fourth expression that he gives is that of cherishing. We could say that's tenderly caring for our wife. It's used of physical ways, keeping warm, caring for, comforting. It's, it can be used of the spiritual needs that our wives have as well. But that picture of, of tenderly caring, of cherishing, valuing, and, and helping to meet the needs. Because those things take time. There's many things that can distract us from that. That's to be our priority, to love our wives in these ways. Why don't you turn to First Peter 3 for a couple of other Things that Peter highlights about our relationship with our spouse, he, he doesn't go into as great of detail as Paul does fleshing out that role. He, he describes what godly living looks like for wives in verses 1 to 6, and then he simplifies it for husbands in verse 7. He says, you husbands, in the same way, going back to the example of Christ and to the overall commitment to, uh, to honoring the Lord in our relationships. You husbands, in the same way, live with, dwell with, care for your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life that your prayers will not be hindered. A, a fourth or fifth way that we can love our wives, I've, I've entitled humbly listening, to live with your wife in an understanding way. You know, it's not simply listening to your wife, although that's part of it. An understanding way literally could be according to knowledge, meaning we understand God's priorities. We're listening to him and to his word and seeking to fulfill his purpose and design for our marriage. But it does involve understanding your wife in particular, 
Some of that is, is general as women. He says, live with him in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, speaking primarily of the physical differences that, con- that God has designed in men and women. You know, not, it's not weaker like styrofoam cup versus coffee mug. A styrofoam cup is weaker than a coffee mug, but it's weaker like China teacup versus coffee mug. You know, too many men think of their wives like a styrofoam cup. They're weaker and and fragile. No, we need to think of them as like the china teacup that is precious and valuable and and that is to be tenderly cared for and lived with in, as he says, an understanding way. See, we're not to use our, our role that God has given us to take advantage of that weakness, but to care for and to understand the differences that God has, has given in, uh, in those relationships. This means understanding our wife generally, but also specifically the, the strengths and desires, the gifts and goals, the frustrations and challenges that she faces. We need to be eager to understand those things so that we can meet those needs as we've already seen in Ephesians. He goes on and says, show her honor. We're to be consistently honoring our wives. As he says, a fellow heir of the grace of life, not because she does something in particular, but because of who she is before the Lord and in Christ. We honor her. Well, we, we do so by how we listen to her, studying her, and, and learning more of her, how we talk with her. You know, listening is a great way to show someone else as valuable when we are eager to hear what they have to say, to be attentive and respectful. How we talk about her to others, how we talk to her, how we treat her and trust her. We're to honor our wives. Man, we need to prioritize loving our wives. You know, if you think of your week, Maybe think of the last week or the last month, you know, and you, you looked at your calendar and you said, if, if she is really the most precious person to me, what would that look like in my calendar? And is that what that last month or few weeks has looked like? It doesn't necessarily mean that you have large amounts of uninterrupted time at this stage of life. It may mean you work hard to create some of that. But it means as I have opportunity to serve and to interact with her and to care for her, I am seeking to take those opportunities. Back in Ephesians 5, you know, Paul focused his instruction to men on loving them, loving our wives. But he also recognizes there is a role that God has given in marriage. Back in verse 23, he says, for the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Paul recognizes there are distinct roles, but he really doesn't command men to say, you need to make your wife respond to your leadership. He says you are the head, you are leading, and an example and influence, we'll talk about that in a second, Um, But he focuses on loving and on giving ourselves for our wives. But he recognizes there is a God-given role and responsibility, secondly, for a priority for us, of leading your family. Again, we can easily think of that as leadership as the world defines it, which is the power to tell other people what to do. 
And that's how sin has twisted leadership in the home. If you look back at Genesis chapter 3, in the curse that God gave after sin entered the world, he described what the marriage relationship was going to look like. And, and he said to the woman in verse 16 of Genesis 3, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. That's not God saying that's how it should work. He's saying that's how sin is going to bear fruit in this relationship, is husbands ruling over their wives, husbands thinking of themselves as the king of their castle. That's not what Paul means when he says the husband is the head of the wife. When you are leading your family, it's not a monarch on the throne barking out orders to your subjects. It is leading as, as Christ calls us to, which is chiefly sacrificial leadership. Comes back to what Paul said about loving our wives. You see, when we serve and give ourselves, we are actually leading. We are, are being the kind of leader that God calls us to be. Think of Matthew 20, after the mother of James and John had come to Jesus and, uh, uh, you know, they had this great plan that they could sit on the right and left hand of Jesus. It'll be great. My boys will have all the power and authority with you. And uh, Jesus said, I think you're a little bit confused. He, he said this in Matthew 20, verse 25. He says, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you, your slave, as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He says, the world thinks leadership is lording it over, telling people what to do, exercising authority. Leadership is service. Leadership is sacrificing your desires. It's not using your authority to get what you want or to see your ends and desires met. It is using your authority for the good of others and the glory of Christ. Think of Jesus in John 13 when he washed the disciples' feet and they're like, what are you doing? You're the, you're the leader, you don't do that. And he's like, yeah, this is what I do. I, I love and I serve It doesn't mean you don't lead. It doesn't mean you don't exercise authority, but it means you are not leading for your own gain for what you get. And so our leadership is sacrificial leadership. It's also to be humble leadership. You remember what God said of Adam and the garden as he looked at him by himself? And he said, it's not good for man to be what? Alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. It's easy as men to think, hey, we get to lead. And so full speed ahead, we know what we need to do, and we're leading that way. And God said, actually, you don't do very well that way. You need a helper. You need someone else to come alongside and to assist you in the role that I have given you. means we need to be that humble listener primarily to the Lord and his word, letting that direct us, but also listening to and understanding our wife. Thirdly, though, it is to be intentional leadership. You see, Ephesians 5 says the husband is the head of the wife. He doesn't say the husband should be. He says the reality is you are leading. I am leading. Whether we know it or not, whether we recognize it or not, we are leading our family in a particular direction. 
either for ourselves and our gain or for the glory of God and the good of our family. And we want to be intentional to lead and lead well. I've listed just some categories that we don't have a lot of time to develop, but intentional leadership means as a family, we are thinking uh, through and as husbands leading our family, we're cultivating a biblical vision. This is where we're going as a family. Starting with those priorities we've already talked about, the things that God wants to characterize our life, we want those things in our family. We flesh that out with direction. This is how, we're, how we get there. This is what we need to do. Again, not our own plan, but God's plan as we are, are seeking to understand and lead our, our wives and family. This is how we get there. This is where we, uh, how, how we're gonna, uh, gonna bring about this vision. This requires communication and, and thought, talking with our, our wife, considering the implications of decisions that we make. Third area is instruction. Let me, let me show you how. Let me help you to grow in these things, your wife, your kids. Imitation, watch me, my example. We wanna be godly examples for a wife, for our families, Inspiration, isn't this great? You know, the leader of the home is responsible for the morale of the home. Uh, I I see this uh, and have faced this in my own life where it's like, my family is really enjoying our family until I get there. And then my my attitude shifts the focus from like, woohoo, we're loving each other to all the things we're not doing quite as well as we ought to do. And it's like, wait a minute, that's, that's not the kind of leadership that I need to be striving for. Our family is a blessing from God. Doesn't mean everything's perfect, but we are thankful for one another and, and we, that starts with, with me. Affirmation, you're doing great, encouraging and affirming the, the work that God is doing, the evidences of grace in the lives of our wife and our kids. Also involves evaluation. How are we doing? You know, we, we need to evaluate ourselves and, and ask questions of, of the direction and course that we're on. Are we still there? And correction, let's make a change. And, and offering protection and provision, I'll take care of you. Recognizing our limitations. Men, we want to be leading our families well. Serving them with humility, but also setting a course that is God's course for how we want to grow and how we want to cultivate honoring him. And then thirdly, we want to be providing for our family. If you turn over to 1 Timothy 5, we've already seen this somewhat in our commitment to care for our wives and to provide and meet the, the, the physical and spiritual needs that our wives have. 1 Timothy 5 makes this even clearer. It's in the context, really, of extended family relationships and those who are widows and providing care for those in our extended family. Um, Verse four says, if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents. We saw this last week, that that role and responsibility that we have to care for our parents, our grandparents, in light of what they have done for us. In verse eight, he says, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, part of what God has called us to do as men is to be working hard through our diligent labor, providing for our family, through diligently laboring to, to earn money to care well for our family. That's a part of what God has given us to do. 
And, and it's a, a right thing for us to spend a considerable amount of time devoted to that, to provide, to meet the needs of our family. I do think there's a, a temptation that comes with that. And, and Paul addresses that in, in verse 6, which is in that labor to provide for our family, we can always want to provide more. And we can see, especially in an area like this where we live, there's always a nicer car or a nicer house or more stuff that we could get. And we can think that the standard of provision for our family is what someone else is providing. And we've got to devote more of our time and energy to that. And it's not wrong to desire to to be a good steward of the gifts God has given us and the work that we do. But we do need to be careful that in the name of providing for our family, we don't make work and money an idol in our heart that takes us away from other priorities that we are committed to. Later on in chapter 6, Paul says in verse 6 that godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. He says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take, not take anything out of it either. But if we had food and covering with these, we shall be content. He's not saying that's all we, all we should pursue having, but he says that is enough for us. It's easy to be discontent. And he says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. How many men have neglected other priorities that God has given in the name of providing for their family at a standard of living that God says, you actually don't need to provide that. You need to provide a lot more in other realms while that you are maintaining a a diligent work ethic such that you can provide legitimately for the needs of your home. You know, ladies, I think this is something that you can help your husband in. You can foster an attitude of, of gratefulness for the standard of living that God's given you. If your husband is, is balancing well work and family and church and, and maybe that's affecting the advancement of his career and the income that he makes, you can be thankful for the priorities and the decisions that he makes in that way and supportive of those things. Again, there are others who err on the other side who are, are lazy and not pursuing uh, diligence, and we want to be careful that we are providing in those ways. Well, there's certainly more we could say about what it means to be a godly husband. One thing I would encourage you men to pick up is a, a book called Loving Your Wife as Christ Loves the Church. It's by a guy named Larry McCall. It's a, an excellent book that works through Christ's love for us and therefore our love for our wives. Very biblical, practical insightful and, uh, and very helpful in fleshing these things out. I would recommend it to you. Men, let's prioritize loving our wives, leading our families, not for our sake, providing for them in the role that God has given us. Ultimately, not for our own sakes or even for the sake of our wives, but for the sake of Christ. Paul concludes Ephesians 5 by making the statement that he's really speaking about Christ and the church, that the model of our marriage points to a greater reality, that of Christ and the gospel. And we get to picture that for a watching world, for little eyes in our home and those who know us when they see us giving ourselves for others as Christ has done for us. Let's pray together.
Lord, make us men like this. Men who our wives and our kids and others look at and see Christ. Men who are committed to living and loving and leading not for our own sakes. Don't let us abuse the role that you've given us in a a self-centered way that makes it about our own desires and focus. Help us to prioritize Christ and our wives. Help us to sacrificially serve. Lord, help us to cherish and nourish, to care tenderly for our wives in an understanding way that honors them as they, uh, as, as you call us to and as they deserve. And, and Lord, help us to lead well, to lead intentionally in the decisions that we make as families, the, the things that we choose to pursue, even in these issues of our priorities and our schedule and, and uh, the time commitments that we make as a family. Might we be careful and thoughtful to lead with humility, and yet with conviction of what your word directs us to. And, and Lord, help us to provide well. Help us to be diligent workers, and yet not to be ensnared by the love of money, by the pursuit of more. Uh, might we balance the work that you've given us to do with the other priorities you've called us to as well. Lord, we thank you for the example of Christ, and we long to see him exalted through the way that we live and the way that we love our wives. In Christ's name, amen.